Things gay people like. Things gay people like. Things gay people like. Things gay people like. And also things that people who don't identify as gay like. And I'm not saying all gay people like all these things because we all have our own interests. Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of Things Gay People Like. My name is Kevin and this is my podcast that's all about celebrating whatever it is you like, whoever you are. Essentially, it's just an excuse to talk to my friends about pop culture stuff. But I do also want to branch out beyond just my friends. So the reason I started the podcast is because I just wanted to be on a podcast. So if you feel that way or if there's something that you want to talk about, I would love to hear from you. You don't have to be gay. You don't have to be male. You don't have to be anything. So... Yeah, you can find us on social media at Gay People Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Feel free to give us a follow there. I put up polls and stuff after the episodes and just a bit more detail pictures and stuff on Instagram as well. Or you can email thingsgaypeoplelike at gmail.com. Now, if you're just tuning in for the Madonna stuff, there'll be like a time code in the description or I'll just edit myself in now saying where you should skip to. About 14 minutes. Because there's going to be a little bit of chat before then. So the last episode was our Smash episode with Dom. Got some nice feedback on that. I put up the poll for Let Me Be Your Star versus Don't Forget Me. And it wasn't quite as close as I thought it was going to be. So the winner there with 63.6% of the vote was Don't Forget Me. I'm actually quite surprised about that. But there we go. That's the democratic process. Actually, when I was listening back to the episode, I thought it was funny that we started it by saying how much we love the show and then spent the next 40 minutes slagging it off. But if you know Smash, you know that's just the experience of being a Smash fan. So I think we reflected that accurately. So yeah, so onto this episode, I'm going to be chatting to a good friend of mine about Madonna. And as always, my mom will have the last word. So stick around for that. And so without further ado... Actually, sorry, there is a bit of further ado. It's Friday morning now and Britney has released, uh, I should say her label has released a deluxe version of her album Glory. And so one of the things on the podcast I want to do is when there are developments on any particular topic to check in with our correspondents to get their take on them. So I asked Andrew what he thought and he told me he's not making any public appearances to promote the album, but he has issued a statement which he wrote at the bus stop this morning. So the statement reads, I'm pleased the album is being re-released. I hope it does very well. The additional songs, namely Swimming in the Stars, are cool. Swimming has an amazing chorus and it's really heavy, but her voice is pretty much unrecognisable. I suppose that's in keeping with Glory and how overproduced it is. A collab with Backstreet Boys, which might be an FU to NSYNC after Brit reached out to JT for a collab to no avail, Andrew's words, is disappointing. I was expecting a bombastic pop banger, but it's just like a montage of sound bites. Way too Britney Jean slash Smurfs 2 for me. Still, good luck, Glory 2. And there we have it. Thank you, Andrew. Now, on with episode 5. It's time for my guest. Who is it this week? Time for my guest. What is the name? Time for my guest. It's time to find out. Right now. Hi, Ben. Hi, Kevin. Hi, how are you doing? I am so good, and I'm so excited to be on Things Gay People Like. Amazing. I'm very happy to have you on. Very excited to speak to you. You have the title of being the first guest who I didn't do Amdram with ever. Oh, yeah. In fact, you don't even like musicals, do you? <laughs> well, I think that's probably untrue. Um, <laughs> people will know, or they don't know. I'm married to Dom, who was on the Smash episode. So anyone's love of musical theatre will only dwarf uh, in comparison to his. Yeah, no, true, true, true. So essentially, you probably just have a normal person's uh, interest in musicals. Now, this is a question that I meant to ask. It only occurred to me today that I should have asked every other guest this question. So starting with episode five, I'm going to ask you. So obviously, you're here to talk about Madonna, which is your chosen theme. But what else do you like? Just give us a sense of what your interests are and stuff. Right, well... On one sense, I'm pretty basic. Like, I love, I do love a pop diva, love Madonna, obviously, love Eurovision, but I also really like politics. I really like reading big old dusty books. Yeah, you read things at quite a pace, don't you? Like, well, last year I set myself a goal to read one a week, which is 52, and I did it. Um, this year I did not set a goal, and I'm currently on 39, which is not bad. That is, yeah. I mean, I'm on one, the meaning of Mariah Carey, which I know makes me, <laughs> it doesn't reflect well on me, but... But if you're going to pick one, 
Yeah, it's the one to go with. Yeah. You're also a very talented musician, if I may say. And can we talk for a second about your experience on reality television? Oh, God, we can. What an experience. I'd love to. Um, I had a few sort of TV reality moments in the early 2010s, culminating in... I was on the first ever episode of The Voice UK. Yes. I sang Rocket Man. I was playing keyboards. I had a little bow tie. I'd inadvertently yeah. gone dressed as Pee Wee Herman, who I'd never seen before. Okay. Um, but I soon learned from Twitter, uh, as soon as the episode aired, that I had indeed uh, <laughs> made that mistake. This was like seven years ago, was it? It was 2012. I think because the show was brand new that year, obviously PVC made a big push for it. And it was a big feeling that this show was huge in America. And so everyone kind of tuned in to watch it on that first night. For example, my name was trending on UK Twitter, which is amazing. What is that like as somebody who's kind of thrown into that kind of spotlight um, on social media and on national television? What is that like to be watching that, first of all, and then to be getting this real time feedback on it in your on your device? It was pretty amazing. Um, Yeah, I think I probably wasn't really ready for it. But um, at the same time, I could handle it. Like I wanted the attention. Obviously, that's why I went on TV. And yeah, you just get messages from everyone from all types. And you know, you sort of see sort of minor celebs discussing you just like in passing as people do when they're just like tweeting. And that sort of thing is insane. I remember having a tweet from Sarah Milliken. Love her. Absolutely. So how did your time on the show go? So yeah, you did the blind audition and it obviously went pretty well. Yeah, I had all four judges turn for me. Who were who were they at this time in series one? Jesse J, Will I Am, uh, Sir Tom, yeah. and Danny from the script. So you so all four of them turned around. That must have been incredible. It was incredible, yeah. It was up there with one of the best moments ever. I mean, I was torn between sort of Will I Am, who I thought was really cool and obviously had a lot of like US connections and there was a real belief that he was going to be the kingmaker of that show. And I was also very taken with Jessie J at the time because she was obviously an, a great vocalist um, and she was quite new. We didn't know too much about her. And so I went with Jessie J, yeah. And do you <laughs> do you wanna <laughs> do you wanna elaborate on how things went from there or do you wanna Well, I think in the words of uh Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman, big mistake. Huge. <laughs> wow. Well, I soon learned, as did most people in the UK, and indeed most people in the US, and then also Australia, and then probably also in China, that she's not a very nice person. (laughs) It was weird because um, we then moved on to like the next round, and you have to kind of do a sing-off with someone else. And, you know, long story short, it was just very clear that she wanted the other person, then kind of like sort of sidelined me. Okay. Much to obviously my complete, you know, destruction. I was like, oh my God, I'm out. Yeah. I was very young with hindsight too. You know, you look back and you think, oh, that's such that's such petty stuff. But it felt like yeah, it was life-changing stuff. It did feel like that. Yeah, she, did, she then sent me home at the next round. That was the end of it. Goodbye. But it, it, it was still, would you say, looking back on it, would you say it was, you were happy you did it, good things came of it, all that kind of stuff? It brought a lot of opportunities that had nothing to do with music. Um, just people who you know, then learned who I was or met me through things. And, and I think looking back at it, it was such a, a, a risk in terms of my own character and my own self-confidence. Mm. It, it, it's made me, I think, a more confident person for everything else that I've done in my life. That's that's such an interesting thing to have gone through. Will we get into a little bit of news? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. TGPL News. All right, and thank you for joining us here on TGPL News. Ben, uh, what is your top story at this hour? Well, my top story of the hour, if we move past, obviously, small things like a coronavirus vaccine, um, something called Brexit still going on. Let's get into the real meat of it, Kevin, which is Rita Ora. What a <laughs> oh, letdown. She's only gone and celebrated her 30th birthday at a restaurant with lots of people. Not okay. She was supposed to be quarantining from coming back from Egypt, apparently. That's the that's the other thing. And then even just yesterday, the same things happened with Kay Burley, Sky News host. Um, absolutely love Kay. Okay. She's bought, broken the rules with a couple of other Sky people and they've now taken her off the air. You think you'd learn the lesson somewhere along the line? 
<laughs> now, I will tell you uh, about a woman I love who would never break a rule, and that is Nigella Lawson. Oh, yes, okay. And she's been in the news yesterday and today um, because she's got this new show, hasn't she, on, on TV. As usual, it's just her cooking really indulgent things with lots of butter. And she yesterday she was making some cocannon, actually, for all the love Irish that. in the audience. And she heated up some butter, as she said it, in the microwave. Yeah, <laughs> everyone was losing their minds over that. But I saw people saying, I saw that she had to actually say on Twitter or something that she knew that she was mispronouncing it. It was for fun or whatever. Like, were people actually thinking that was what she thought it was pronounced like? Well, Kevin, people are dumb. Come on. I, well, yeah. Time and time again, it's a lesson we learn. Yeah. Somebody who di- did get cancelled as well recently um, for my news item Mutia from the Sugar Babes was talking on her Instagram live. I suppose she thought that she was in the company of trusted people or that nobody would really care what she's been saying because she has been saying some very questionable things on Instagram lately to do with the QAnon of it all. And I'm not happy with any of that. But like that didn't really make the headlines. But when she declared that Kylie and Jeff Oh, and I think to a lesser extent, Lady Gaga can't sing. That hit the national headlines. It got massive coverage. I think it really blew up in her face to, to an extent that it shouldn't have, I think. I mean, we all say these things, right? Yeah, it's so funny that the people who would follow Mucha on Instagram will sort of, you know, sit idly by whilst they listen to things about, you know, I don't know what, anti-vax or, you know. But if you come for Kylie, yeah. you are getting it. That was unfortunate and probably not the publicity they're because the sugar babes and people who know me will be listening to this rolling their eyes, but the Sugar Babes are preparing to return. Uh, that is a fact. It's not fake news. Evergreen con. <laughs> yeah, evergreen for the last seven years. They are preparing, and this is not what they need. My other item was, and again, this will be a roll eyes moment for people who know me, was the return of this boy band who never really arrived in the first place. Have you heard of pretty much, all one word, all caps? No, I haven't. Yeah, okay. So they've been around for a while. They've released maybe 25 songs. And they were, so they were Simon Cowell's new boy band of, say, four years ago, three years ago. And they had all the songwriters and they just have never clicked with the public. But I maintain that they're excellent. I would say go on Spotify. Any song you pick will be good. And they've announced this week they've got a new deal and they've got new stuff coming out in January. Who knows if it's going to be uh, a success. And that was my own personal little highlight from the news this week. But some actual news, um, which does come up from time to time in this podcast. I don't know if you heard when Joe Biden was announced in the Britney episode. That was a moment. But going back to Brexit for a second, all the way along, I've been like, okay, Brexit is awful, terrible. I hope it doesn't happen. Yesterday, I got this email from Amazon telling me that as a person in the EU buying from Amazon UK after January 1st I am now subject to extra charges and customs and stuff and so this was the first time that I've been like oh wait this is actually having an impact on my life here how do we reverse it is it too late Ben knowing politics as you do what can I do to stop this what can you do to stop Brexit well Kevin I mean greater forces than you and I have tried and failed to stop Brexit it is happening it is hurtling down the road, mm. like a big tornado of shit. Yeah, um, like a new Jesse J album. Well, look, <laughs> I probably shouldn't be buying from Amazon anyway, right? So, ethically. Well, that's correct. Yeah. So. They don't need it, but local independent people do need it. And there's yeah. this great place called Bookshop, isn't there, where everyone can now buy books and the money doesn't go to Jeff Bezos. I'll just do that then. I'll feel good about it. Okay, shall we jump into the deep dive? Let's do it. You know it's time to deep dive, deep dive. Everybody want a deep dive, deep, deep dive. So Ben, you're here to talk about the legend, the icon, the cultural um, behemoth. Is that appropriate word? Cultural phenomenon, yeah. Phenomenon, that's better. Uh, Madonna, is she your number one favorite of all time and forever? She is, yeah. No one could ever top Madonna. Okay. Now, you're quite a bit younger than me, and I even feel like I missed out on the first and maybe second waves of Madonna growing up. So tell me about your discovery of her. Yeah, it's funny because my discovery of her is not pegged to... uh, 
a new release originally. Mm. I think I got into her in the early noughties through sort of the Greatest Hits album and stuff like that. My mum would have had the Immaculate Collection Greatest Hits album at home, which is hands down one of the best Greatest Hits collections ever. So I think I got into listening to a lot of her old stuff, which obviously is great pop music. And that's kind of what I like, whether it's, you know, I would listen to like ABBA and then Prince and, and she was in that mix as well. And so I started revisiting her through that and through her music videos, which are obviously just so fun and amazing and groundbreaking and then that all kind of built up to when she released American Life I was a fan by that point that obviously wasn't one of her greatest albums but very shortly after I saw her on the reinvention tour that was 04 by that point I was I was diehard and then in 05 we were gifted Confessions on a Dance Floor, which obviously was a great triumph. I was under the impression that we were never going to have current Madonna or relevant Madonna ever again in my lifetime. I thought she was a, a I thought she was heritage then, to be quite honest. That's mad, yeah. For me, I suppose I there are points of her career where that, that I appreciate more, and we'll get into that. Um, I never have, have really connected with her. I suppose I suppose I was always quite straight laced, and I liked my pop stars to also be I, I found her I would say if I'm being honest I found her a little bit dangerous for my taste and that's just more of a reflection on me and how tame uh, my tastes are because when I was getting into music she was doing all the erotica stuff I think and it was just all very controversial when I look back now it was actually pushing the envelope and doing all these great things but for me, I was like, I'm not getting involved with this. Also, she was very mean about Mariah. There was that infamous little spat where she mm. said, she was asked, what would you do if you're Mariah Carey for a day? And she replied with, do you I know, don't know this? She said, I'd kill myself. Actually, she's reported as saying, I'd rather kill myself than be Mariah Carey, which isn't quite the same thing, but it's still not very nice, is it? Mariah, that was put to Mariah in an interview. Uh, this is the early 90s time. So Mariah was really at a peak and maybe Madonna was at a bit of a, one of her lulls. And Mariah yeah. sa- said, I don't know if you know this one, but she said, well, I haven't listened to Madonna since I was in eighth grade and she was popular or something like that, whatever grade yeah, she said. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. So that was the second half of that little <laughs> yeah. incident. Yeah, so I asked you, because maybe my level of familiarity with her career isn't up there particularly, I asked you, would you think about the different eras of her career? Because we can't really go through single by single because there's just so many singles. Would you take us through the career of the Queen of Pop? It's it's hard to put her into to eras. Obviously, she, she has changed so much. She's had so many mm. different looks, reinventions, albums. Um, and yet we do have the benefit of hindsight. So you can kind of look at her now on a sort of 40 year span. Um, so the 1980s for Madonna um, is one of the most productive and successful eras, I think, for any artist's full stop from she began in 82 up till 1990. And I really use the Immaculate Collection Greatest Hits album in 1990 as that marker. You know, she emerges with Holiday, Lucky Star, um, these breakthrough dance songs. She's fun, she's exciting. Then she moves into 84. She releases the Like a Virgin album, obviously a huge song, very much a statement piece, Material Girl, another really big song and with those videos also she kind of establishes herself as a visual artist as an artist for MTV by 1985 she has become you know quite simply one of the biggest stars in America if not the world um, that's the year that she does Into the Groove, which is one of her biggest number ones. She stars in Desperately Seeking Susan, her first film venture, and obviously mm-hmm. that's something that she's kept up. And then in 1986, she releases True Blue, which was a huge album that had Papa Do Preach, La Isla Bonita, uh, Open Your Heart. She went for the short, blonde-haired look. And again, there was so much iconography with that. You'll know the cover. It's that sort of blue cover with her blonde hair sort of leaned back yeah beautiful picture by her brits and by that point really she's then on sort of superstardom level Mm. by the time she reaches 1989 the like a prayer album she's quite simply you know she is up there with the biggest stars of the 80s obviously like a prayer her first album which was hugely artistic i would say she'd you know the lyrics were personal she got divorced that year from sean penn and that was very much part of it um she wrote about her mother her father her upbringing um, and of course, the Like a Prayer video was hugely controversial. Yeah. So her her dabbling with controversy was well established by then. Was it was it Like a Virgin that would have been the first like, oh, hang on a second. She's actually she's actually being quite brazen here. Like, was that the first moment you think of 
um, kind of planting her flag in the sand or whatever and saying that I'm going to mix things up a bit. Absolutely. I mean, not like a virgin imager where she's sort of in a wedding dress, but she still got her sort of 80s regalia around the wrists and the neck and the cross. And she had the boy toy stamp on her belt. And of course, she opened the very first MTV Video Music Awards in 84 with that performance of Like a Virgin. She sort of writhed on the floor. And that was that was big news. That was that was that was controversy then. So, yeah. She always knew she had to be pushing people's buttons. That was going to be part of her agenda all the way through. And yeah, that sort of, you know, crucifix around the neck. Obviously, she's relating to her name, to her Catholicism. Yeah. Um, and that then comes to fruition on Like a Prayer, which deals with her religion and her sexuality and her life in a much more mature way. You know, she's 30 by that point. The music is much more adult. And then in songs like Express Yourself, again, she's looking about female sexuality, female empowerment. And as I say, by the time she gets to 1990, which for me is a huge peak year, that's when she releases Vogue as a single um, and she goes on the Blonde Ambition tour. Obviously, everybody was thinking of the Cone Bra. That's, that was then, right? Yeah, that was the outfit for the yeah. Blonde Ambition tour and the, the blonde sort of ponytail. That concert tour was groundbreaking in in many ways. Um, pop shows didn't really come with all the sort of sets and costumes and theme sections that Blonde Ambition came with. That's crazy. What you talk about the sexuality angle? Mm. Like these days, the biggest the biggest stars of the moment are very forthright about their sexuality, especially the female uh, performers. That going back to the nineties, eighties, and nineties. There must have been a lot of moral panic around her. I'm, I'm sure there was, particularly in Ireland, I would say, because, you know, the stranglehold of the Catholic Church. Well, there was. I mean, you know, even coming along with a single that's called Like a Virgin, and you know, mm. and I know, it's somewhat like Ireland, you wouldn't even say that word. There was a sense that she was pushing buttons. And the fact that her name, yeah. of course, is the name of the mother of Jesus. 1986, of course, she released Papa Don't Preach, which is a fantastic song, um, but it's about teenage pregnancy and you know she has that line i'm keeping my baby yeah. that was sort of criticized by the vatican obviously the vatican had much more of a big shock to come in 89 when she did like a prayer and she was you know making out with the black jesus and burning crosses taking it back to blonde ambition uh, when she toured that show the the campaigner mary whitehouse tried to boycott it or organize a boycott of it here at wembley stadium in london where she performed um a record sort of four nights in a row so yeah people were after her they, they saw her as being someone who was opening doors in a way that they could never be closed again and they were right yeah because i think it's easy to look back now and maybe not give her the credit that is due for doing all that stuff and particularly with lgbt issues and support and being an ally allyship because everybody does that kind of stuff now but it's you have to kind of really position yourself in the culture of the 80s and 90s to realize just how revolutionary she was at that time yeah and she's always been uh, a completely unconditional ally you know, she had a gay brother, uh, she had gay friends, gay dance teacher. She knew Keith Haring when she was growing up in New York. So tell, she, us, tell me, who, who's that now? Well, he's the famous pop artist. You'll know his drawings. They're the little the little men. They look like they're sort of jumping around and the, 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 the red hearts. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And he unfortunately died of AIDS in the late 80s. Um, mm. And Madonna was very touched by that. She spoke out about it very early on, you know, 87, 88. The Like a Prayer album of 89 uh, actually came with a little inset in the CD or the LP, which was, um, you know, a guide on how to have safe sex. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. And therefore, when she sort of used the gay community or, or lifted from the gay community for her work and her style, she's never been accused of sort of cultural appropriation because she was one of us and we were seen by her. It's funny, that it, just the whole LGBT thing. Obviously, it's a gay interest podcast, kind of. Well, it is. But uh, with the two other musical artists that we've done episodes on, I've had to ask my guest, so have they ever really, you know, supported uh, gay people, particularly? And in both cases, even though we're sure that they do support, there wasn't really that much tangible things that could be brought to mind instantly. And with Madonna, there's no end of them. So th does that bring us, that's the first era, that's the rise and the absolute, well, her first peak and her world domination or all that kind of thing. Yeah. And what, what, comes, what comes next then? What do the 90s bring? Well, the second era then is a really curious one. 
as you say, she was dangerous. She became dangerous. She decided that she now had the biggest platform, unprecedented fame. And what does she decide to do? Well, she decides to take the sexuality and push it as far as it really could go. 1991, she creates this song, Justify My Love, which has that black and white video where she's in a hotel room with this hot male model and then she's kissing women and there's a gimp and there's things that you just would never have seen on tv at yeah, belinda carlisle wasn't doing this though no and indeed you didn't see it on tv because it was banned for the, in 92 she creates the erotica album which comes alongside her sex book uh, which is a coffee table book of pornographic imagery of her and directed by her. And the contents of the book are basically every sexual taboo and every sexual fantasy that you can imagine. And I know Kevin, you can probably imagine a lot. <laughs> They're all in there. How do I get my hands on this book? Is it available on Amazon? Well, I can't shop on Amazon anymore. It's a rarity now. Uh, Dom managed to get me one for my 30th birthday, which I have. It comes in packaging, which makes it look like a condom wrapper. And I sometimes look through it and it's uh, it's quite out there i'll have a good thumb through it when i'm visiting i would actually i'll be really interested to see it though just for you know research purposes here's the point she was making a statement about women and their sexuality and pornography mm -hmm. she's basically saying for my whole career so far i've been sexy and whatever and people have liked to sexualize her you know they sold photographs of her topless that she'd done when she was a young model people wanted her to be you know sexualized and yet she did not like the way women were seen under the sort of the male gaze and the gaze of the world in general. So with this book, she said, well, I'm going to make my own sort of porn. I, I'm going to, I'm going to show you everything there is to show and I'm going to be mm. in charge of it. And almost predictably people said, no, we don't want that. That's disgusting and condemned her and thought it was the worst thing ever. And it was actually one of the greatest artistic strokes she ever performed. How she managed to override that incident unscathed is remarkable. I think many people probably thought that was going to be the end of her. It just couldn't be done even by anyone. I just couldn't see it being done again. But she did. In 94, she made Bedtime Stories, which was another very good, again, kind of more R&B. She worked with Babyface on that. Yeah, now this is where I really, this is the stuff that I really engage with. You could say it was a lot tamer. Do you think that was a response to the controversy or just what she felt like doing at that time? Because yeah. it seems she was kind of playing it a bit safer now. Well, but at the same time, the song Human Nature, which is from... Oh, was that from that album? Okay, forget what I said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but there's a slightly there's a slightly S&M feel from the video, but it's the lyrics from the video where she, you know, she kind of says, oops, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to talk about sex. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sorry. Yeah, don't hang your shit on me. And at the end, she says, absolutely no regrets. And when you were talking about her owning her sexuality and being in charge of it and not being subject to the whims of male people in control pulling the strings like that is that sexual revolution, not to get to um, pseudo intellectual better, but that's happening today in terms of OnlyFans and those platforms where people are owning what they're doing and they're being their own producers. So much of that can be attributed to the trail that she blazed as well, right? Absolutely. You make a really good point. Yeah, by kind of saying, look, I'm going to be in charge of how you see me and indeed you're gonna pay for it um yeah, yeah it was the original only fans you're right and then when this era for me kind of wraps up is when it takes a real strange pivot because in 95 uh -huh. she releases a very soft collection of ballads oh yeah maybe that's what i was thinking of about the tame stuff and yeah then in 96 of course she stars in evita that's just four years after the sex book although indeed it's a role that's absolutely perfect for her because of course ava peron mm was no saint um and yet you know she went on to become sort of revered by the people of argentina and it was very very well received we we got some comments about it actually um so jason says she was great in a league of their own but not so much in evita did the league of their own come first yeah that would have been i think that was early that was early 90s yeah okay um, but then Marcus says she was fantastic in Evita. And then Martin asks, should she have been nominated for an Oscar for Evita? Where do you stand on that question? She absolutely should have. And I think there was a little bit of snobbery going on that she wasn't nominated. Do you know, I haven't seen Evita. It's not terrible. I watched Crossroads for the Britney episode and I didn't watch Evita for this. So sorry <laughs> about that. Okay, so where do we go next? So then we're going into 97, 98. And Madonna comes back with 
what I will argue, you know, till I'm blue in the face, is one of the greatest comebacks of all time with Ray of Light. I mean, even as a semi, semi-fan slash sometimes hater, can't deny that. Yeah. Ray of Light is one of those moments where she gets everything right. The album is mm. produced by William Orbit, who's sort of just on the cusp of being one of the biggest producers in the world. He's got the sound. She's got the lyrics. She's writing so deep, so poetic, um, because she's become a mother and she's turned 40 and she's saying, what am I doing with my life? And with that, she comes along with this great new imagery, of course, the cover. She's got that sort of Mother Earth, the, the long sort of slightly red hair. And of course, you've got Ray of Light as a single, which is an incredible dance song, an incredible video. Um, you've also got Frozen, which is phenomenal song, a phenomenal track. I was very confused about that at the time, as I'm sure a lot of people were. But it has only gotten better with the passing of time, I would say. I think it's excellent. It, yeah. really, it really, really is. I think those were the first times she won Grammy Awards was for Ray of Light. And mm. that's all going on. And then she meets Guy Ritchie. She gets married. Um, and in 2000, she releases music, which is kind of like a Ray of Light part two bit more dancey, bit more disco. She's working um, with French producers um, and you can hear it from that era. It's kind of, it's, it sort of belongs in the era of Daft Punk and that sort of stuff. And of course, music, a great single. I mean, I find it really irritating, but <laughs> yes, a huge hit. And she oh, she always does like sing-along moments with that, right? Where everyone's yeah. singing it together. Personally, I'm not here for it, but it, it, obviously it was huge. Yeah. Don't Tell Me was another great single from that era. Yeah. So she was she was having another moment there. It sort of slides a little bit around 02, 03, 04. Uh, she does the Bond theme in 2002. I, I'm not a big fan of it. Others do like it. 03 is when she kisses Christina and Britney at the VMAs. Well, look, if we're talking iconic moments, we'll definitely give her that. Let's have a pause, yeah, because what a moment. Yeah, I mean, we've done a Britney episode covering that. We've done a Madonna episode. I will never do a Christina Aguilera episode for as long as I live. But yes, an iconic moment in pop culture and on this podcast, absolutely. Yeah, and then and then in 04, she releases um, American Life, which maybe doesn't go down so well um, for various reasons. Um, it was seen as being a bit anti-American. It had a very dodgy sort of Iraq war type video. And yeah, drinking a soy latte, got a double shot Oh, well, yeah, she rapped, of course, famously. Yeah, yeah. Somebody says, yeah, David says American Life is one of her best albums. And this is for the unpopular opinion section. But he says the title track was the only lead single choice. Then we get 2004, she does the reinvention tour. It's a bit of a greatest hit. It's mm. a bit of, oh, is she sort of winding down? She's becoming a little bit heritagey. No, she's not. Boom. 2005, she comes back with the Confessions of the Dance Floor album, the Hug Up single, and it was a moment. She wanted to dance again. She wanted disco. She wanted fun. Lots of good singles, lots of good videos. I mean, the video for Hung Up as well, the pink leotard. Um, everyone was talking about that. It even had a French and Saunders parody. That's when you know it's, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the album was a huge seller, you know, dozens of countries around the world. And so that to me then kind of ends that third era, that sort of middle age um, revival where, you know, some might have said, oh, Madonna's past it, but no, she came back and said, I can still be relevant. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah. Watch this. Then the sort of fourth, from then to now is what I class as the fourth era. And this is where it gets tricky for me. Uh, Madonna continues to make albums, but they are much more sort of vehicles for her concert tours, which are her real bread and butter. It's where the fans really want to see her and it's where she does some of her best work. Um, so the albums come around every few years and they've been much more dance orientated um, talking about Hard Candy when she did the duet with Justin Timberlake and Timberland, MDNA to uh, Rebel Heart mm. and then her most recent one, Madame X. And by and large, these albums are very dance-based, um, not strong singles, uh, if you ask me. They're not as current to the sound of the era. She's always dragging a little bit behind. A lot of guest appearances that don't really land. That's going on. The tours go ahead and people love them and they sell out and she does a good mixture to give her credit of new stuff and old stuff. And at the same time, what's happening over that era is that she is very much a heritage artist, a, mm -hmm. a legendary veteran artist who is not really 100% comfortable with being that. Yeah, yeah, refusing to be consigned to that category. Yeah, and I can understand that. But you look at something like 2012, the Super Bowl performance, 
for me, that's peak Madonna as a, a legendary artist. You know, she's up there doing all the greatest hits. And that's what people want to see. They want to see her doing those sort of classic things. But she wants to keep producing art. And some of it has mm. not been very good. I think that when I look at albums like MDNA and Rebel Heart, those are big sort of swarming albums that have a few songs which could be good, but there's too much in there. You know, they could have been okay. more defined. And in yeah. fact, I was quite pleased to hear Madame X, which was her most recent one that's just gone, mm. because she said, I've gone to Portugal, I've been influenced by Portuguese music, and this is going to be very different, very artistic. And I don't really care whether it gets played on the radio and I don't really care whether it sells or who likes it. This is something I wanted to do. And I thought that is the Madonna I know. That is good. I like it. Because yeah, absolutely. I don't want to see her sort of trying to shake it with, you know, Nicki Minaj or it's all right. Yeah. But it's not going to work for her now. Um, Carl actually asks, when did she lose her ability to be self-knowing and forward-thinking? Did that coincide with her career slide or is the industry as ageist as she says it is? In terms of when she, maybe not lost the ability, but that forward-thinking kind of from um, Hard Candy lapsed a little bit. Would you say that's fair? That she was actually following rather than leading the way? Yes, I remember with Hard Candy um, and that's sort of 2008. I'm thinking, right, well, Timbaland's kind of now already on his way out. And indeed, Four Minutes with Justin Timberlake and Timberland was her last number one in, in the UK. The average man on the street couldn't name you a single that came after that. So yeah, I think from there, she kind of lost that sense of being visionary, being on the next thing. And that, that the Portuguese feel of Madame X, mm. whatever about it not being the next big thing in culture, it was really, it seemed to me to be really genuine to just her life as an artist. And like when somebody has had the success that she's had um, as a fan, it must be really gratifying to just see the person that you love so much put everything just into their art and into expressing themselves and what they want to do, regardless of what other people think or how well it sells. Yeah, absolutely that. Um, you know, I, I didn't like a fair bit of it, but I was so happy to know that it had come from an organic place. You know, she's like inspired by my life living in Lisbon. I met some great uh, uh, performers here and musicians here mm. and they're on the record. That's cool. Yeah. Someone young that is doing cool. that, we'd be like, oh my God, wow. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That kind of brings us up to date yeah. in a sense, but I know there's been talk about this film, I want to say. It's not a TV show, right? The, the, the biopic that she's writing with um, Diablo Cody, is it? That's Is that the next main thing that Madonna fans have to look forward to? And what do you think that's going to be? Is that going to be a big career celebration again? She's always got a few things on the boil. I'm sure there's a documentary mm. coming and she's probably making new music and whatever. But yeah, she is working on this and we could discuss at length whether or not artists should be involved in their own biopics. From what I've heard, it's much more of a kind of a story of her early years. That to me gives it a bit of a bit of hope, I think. Oh, maybe if it's something that's quite small and targeted, it could be quite an interesting piece. Do you see another one of those peaks we talked about for her? No, I don't. I'll be honest with you, I don't know. Should she want it, she could ride another she could ride a wave of, you know, getting lifetime achievements. Um, you know, she's already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but things like that. Big greatest hits tours, shows, mm. those big moments like the Super Bowl halftime where she can really step forward and say, I'll do this thing and she'll do it better than anyone else. And yet, yeah, it's her reluctance, I think, to rest on her laurels or to celebrate past victories, which prevent that. But there are indications that she is a bit happier now to look back okay. on that. That's something I just wanted to say before we kind of wrap up on this section, because in the past few years, and maybe it's since she got Instagram, maybe it's not, she has become a bit more, there's a bit more of a lack of reverence for herself, a bit more fun, a bit more tongue-in-cheek. The guards let down a little bit sometimes, and I think that's great. She can bloody afford to do it. She will still be Madonna. Yeah, absolutely. Her performance at the Eurovision wasn't a great moment, was it? It wasn't a great moment. She had two really bad performances in that recent era. One was, of course, Red Awards 2015, where she got pulled oh, up the backwards. Were you watching that live? I was. It was the thought that was heard around the gay world. It was absolutely traumatising just to see that happen in real time. Martin actually asked, was it a stunt? I think there's no way that was a stunt. Like, you would not put somebody at that kind of risk of humiliation and injury. Jesus. No. And yeah, Eurovision, uh, no one needed a new song at Eurovision. You know, that's one of those things where you think you are literally in, you know, the centre of the gay universe right now. You yeah. Shut this place down with any number of about 20 different songs. 
and you give us Dark Ballet from Madame X going into uh, future. future featuring yeah. Quavo. Quavo, sorry, everyone's welcome at Eurovision, but not you. And then, of course, her vocals, um, something went wrong, which I, I, I believe she couldn't hear herself because it, it didn't sound like it was, it wasn't like, oh, she's out of tune. It was like, it was vastly out of... Yeah, yeah, listen, I'm used to that. I'm used to finding those reasons as a Mariah fan <laughs> for why something doesn't quite go the way you wanted it to. Will we go through our top tens just out of interest to see if there are any um, commonalities between us? Let's absolutely do that. Okay, I'll do my ten to six and then you do yours, right? No, you, you do yours first. Okay. Well, yeah, guest first. Number ten for me is Into the Groove. Uh, number nine, I've gone for Don't Tell Me. Number eight, I've gone for La Isla Bonita. Okay, the, the, the blueprint for Michiko Latino in many ways. <laughs> yeah, La Isla Bonita... <laughs> Walked. So what was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Machico Latino could run, <laughs> and cricket sing for Anna Maria could backflip. Number seven, I've gone for her 1985 ballad "Crazy for You." It's a beautiful song. It's very 80s. Um, um, number six for me is "Material Girl," which is just so much fun. So there's your ten to six. None of those are in my top ten. Oh. Which just goes to show, and I think I like them all. So it just yeah. goes to show just how good she is. So my 10 was Drowned World slash Substitute for a Love. Oh, deep cut. Cool. I just find it so atmospheric, and I don't know why it was a single, but I like it. Yeah. Number nine, Human Nature, as we talked about earlier. Now, that was a bit of a, a controversial one, but I do really do like that. It's got the R&B vibe. Number eight, Secret. Number seven, Frozen. And then I'll Remember, which is an example of that lovely low tone that she has for me. So that's my 10 to six. Give me your uh, top five. Okay. So my top five, starting then, top number five is Frozen. Yeah, it definitely deserves. That's the first one that's been in both in both of our top tens. Number five is a lame one for me, and I wish it was four minutes long. It just bothers me so much that this song does not last for four minutes. It is four minutes. I mean, I'm sorry for the Madonna fans who hate me. I just think I just think it's great. But why is it four minutes and five seconds? Anyway, what's your number four? My number four is the 1989 hit "Express Yourself." Nice. So, are you? Do you think overall you're more of a fan of first half of career Madonna than second half? Yes, I definitely am. By looking at this, and you've gone for very sort of 90s and I've kind of skipped the yeah. whole first decade. Yeah, alternative stuff, which is nice. It's really mm. nice. Well, I'm staying on the alternative vibe because my number four is Medellin. Ah. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. One, two. Cha-cha-cha. It's so funky. Not funky. What's the word? It's slinky more so. But I really do love it. Top three time. What have you got? For me, to be honest with you, my top three could be completely interchangeable. This is like the holy trinity. So number three it's sexy. It's soulful. It's gospel. It's rocky. It's like a prayer. Amazing. Undeniable. Fabulous. I love a gospel, as has been covered on this podcast, I love a gospel pop moment. At the best of times, Liberty X, Song for Lovers. Love anything gospel. But Like a Prayer, incredible. Number three for me is, and again, this is going, I do like the sappy, mid-ish 90s, slow stuff, adult contemporary, Rain. Oh, Rain is beautiful. Yeah, love that. My number two is one of the greatest dance songs of all time, It's Vogue. Mm. What did you think of Michelle? Going back to a previous episode on the podcast, when did you see Michelle Visage doing Vogue on Strictly? I thought it was really good fun. Yeah. And I was sad that that was the thing that kind of kicked her off. Yeah, it was a shame, wasn't it? My number two <laughs> is Take a Bow because I just love oh. a ballad and I love Babyface and I just love that whole sound and I just think it's exquisite. You are on such a soppy note, but I love it. <laughs> I know, I am, I am. Take a Boy was also beautiful. And of course, Take a Boy um, was cemented in the zeitgeist because it is the song that is playing in Friends as Rachel stands and waits for Ross to come back from somewhere and he comes back with, with Julie. Julie. So let me think what your number one could be. I'll tell you that mine is like a prayer. We've covered it already. My number one is like a prayer. I'm I'm intrigued. Go on, give us a clue about your number one. Well, considering I've already picked all the most basic sort of (laughs) (laughs) camp, it's hung up. Of course it's hung up. It's hung up. Um, Well, because it's also in your lifetime or in your, you know, while you've been an adult slash teenager, whatever you were. Yeah, it was my moment. I remember the excitement of hearing it for the first time. I'll never forget it. Um, And then hearing it for the sort of 300 times afterwards on the same day. Yeah. Um, 
And I remember the incredible moment that I watched her do it live um, in London. It is a fantastic pop song, a great sample, and it just it's just great. All right, so let's get into some unpopular opinions. So Matt says she's not so good at reinvention after all, it seems, especially watching Mariah reinvent herself as an authoress and queen of Christmas. Madonna is just the woman who used to be popular. So that is a a lamb comment. But um, is that your alt? (laughs) No, that's that's genuinely not me. I look, I respect it. But I do think Madonna's reinvention is undeniable. Her skill at reinvent, re- reinventing herself. Okay, we have... I've got, one, I've got one myself, actually. Oh, go on. Yeah, give us a... So this is actually from my good friend and colleague, Chloe. Yeah. Um, who herself is a sort of spitting image of uh, Ray of Light era Madonna. Oh, amazing. And she said that I should talk about the grills that Madonna wears, which is those sort of, uh, you know, the silver, yeah. like, things around her teeth, which she's taken to thinking are cool. Yeah. Chloe said to me, you should mention these. They're peak Adina Monsoon. They are the one and only time that she's gone too far, ah. especially when she wore them in the God Control intro. But she also adds, other than that, she's lived 62 years as a faultless goddess, and we are lucky to utter her blessed name. So that was just the one little misstep for Chloe. Fair enough. So we have Marcus says, Drowned World Substitute for Love is the best thing she's ever done. Well, it was in my top 10. And then he says she hasn't been relevant for 15 years, which is a bit harsh, but also not a lie, is it? I think that's true. Yeah. We got a message from Cindy who didn't have any unpopular opinions to state, just wanted to declare her love and admiration uh, for the Queen of Pop. She says, Queen of Pop isn't enough to describe Madonna. She is pop. Over nearly four decades, she formulated the blueprint of what a pop star should be, a triple threat who's willing to take risks, doesn't give a damn about her critics. She mentions the influence she's had on the new generation. I would say like on several new generations of singers, I would say, and also mentions how much work she did for the lgbtq community and she says talk to any gay man from the late 70s 80s they'll tell you what she means to them at a time when there was a real struggle and also during the hiv aids epidemic long live the queen yeah absolutely david asks what's your personal peak and low point of her career so we talked about a few peaks if you were to say the peak where would you go yeah, I think the peak for me, as I say, is that 1990 Blonde Ambition tour when Vogue was riding high. She dropped that Greatest Hits album. Um, just that, that sense that she completely owned the 80s and was the star of the 80s, but wasn't going away, that it was only going up from there. You know, where a lot of people never passed the 80s because it was such a unique era. They, they, they remained there, all those acts that are kind of trapped in the 80s. 1990 was her kind of punching her way through and saying, and now I'm going on. In terms of her low point, I think for me it has to be that American life era and things like the, the, the Love Profusion single and when she did the English Roses children's book. That was a very odd and very poor period for me. So if you were to delete one album from her discography, would it be American Life? Yeah, I would. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, no, that's fair. Look, you're entitled to your opinion, your own unpopular opinion. Okay, another couple of questions. Of her many reinventions, which had the best aesthetic, says Andy. And then what do you think is the definitive Madonna look? So they're kind of related. What's the definitive look? Is it the cone bra? The definitive look has to be the cone bra, Mm. I think, and the blonde ponytail. I think that's what you'd put her in the history book in. Yeah, I think so. What's your favourite aesthetic that she ever had? I think coming back with the Ray of Light album is the best aesthetic. It was like an aesthetic that had multiple looks. So if you think about the Ray of Light video and the cover with the the Mother Earth, Mm -hmm. the sort of um, ginger hair and the denim and the, the sort of Indian prints on her, on her arms and her hands. And then you got Frozen where she had that sort of black, dark, gothic look. Yeah. And then she did the video for Nothing Really Matters where she was a geisha. Yeah, uh, Chris mentions that as well about, like that was the look that all the drag queens, a lot of drag queens did on Drag Race that time. It was like three or four of them. Um, Andy asks as well, what's the best Madonna movie? Um, oh, that's interesting. Um I actually like Desperately Seeking Susan. Okay. It's a lot of fun. However, um, it's not strictly a movie, but the documentary In Bed With Madonna, which was about the Blonde Ambition tour, um, is her best sort of on-screen piece. It's just a a wonderful testament to that amazing piece of work. 
And then Martin says, why is Open Your Heart the best Madonna song there ever was? Was that in your top 10? It wasn't in mine. Oh, it wasn't. But you know what? That was, it was a close one. It would have been like 11 or 12. It has that amazing 80s throbbing. It's almost slightly rocky. And the little ding, ding, ding. Um, oh, here's the musician in you coming yeah, out. Yeah, a great riff that opened your heart to me. Such a, a euphoric chorus, it isn't really it? Is. Just like you just want to, I want to dance with somebody or whatever. It's that kind of it level. It is that level. Yeah, that's so true. I never thought about yeah. it like that. It's one of those things that, as you say, you could list your 10 best, your 15 best, your 20 best, and someone will still say, but remember this amazing one? And you go, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, are you ready to do the quiz? Okay. Is it a quiz? Yes. Is it a quiz? Yes. Yes, it is. I know. It's a quiz. Let's go. Um, For the quiz, now, your husband last time got, I think, 11 points. Is he around? Can you ask him how many he got? Let me just ask him. <laughs> okay. How many points did you get on the quiz? 11, was it? Yeah. He thinks 11, too. Yeah, okay, perfect. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's bad Bad keeping track of my own podcast. So Dom is the current leader on 11. Now, some of the questions have already been covered by you in your uh, discussion of Madonna. Oh. So in order, but I don't want you to be at a disadvantage because of that. And so in order for it to be fair, give me a category and then a number between one and five. And whatever the question is, is what the question is. Right. So as always, we have three categories, easy, medium, hard. One, two, and three points. You're looking for 11. The maximum that's possible, I think, is 19. Arbitrary number. Choose wisely and give me a category and a number between one and five. I'm going to choose medium. Yep. Number three. Which song of Madonna's from the 90s has a fruit in the title? It's I'm Going Bananas. Correct, it is. Where would you like to go next? Hard three. What track is track 12 on MDNA? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they are hard. (laughs) Is it Love Spent? It's Falling Free. I've never heard of it. Okay, next. Don't worry about it. That was a bit of a, that was a bit of an arsey question, to be honest. Back down to medium four. (laughs) Okay, medium four. Can you name all of Madonna's children? Yes. Lourdes, Rocco, David, Esther, Mercy, and... Don't worry, you can take the time. If there's one left. Stella. Correct. Right, you're on four with four questions left. Let's go medium. Let's go medium two. What was Madonna's last UK number one? Oh, uh, so that was four minutes featuring Justin Timberlake. Correct. So we covered that, but you're entitled to get the point. So that's four questions, six points. What's next? Let's go hard one. Hard one. What is the name of the character Madonna plays in Swept Away? Don't know, Julie. <laughs> Amber. Uh, sorry about that. Two questions left. You're on six. So you could get, you could still win, potentially, but you could, anyway, sorry. Medium one. What is the name of the character Madonna plays in A League of Their Own? <laughs> uh, Jane. Is It was all the way May. One, two, three, four, five, six. One question left. What are you going to do? I'm going to have to say with medium, Kev, I'm going to have to... Yep. You know what, actually, no, you know what, I'm going to gamble. I'm going to just go for it. I'm going to go hard five. And if I don't get it, so be okay, it. Okay, we love that. What is the combined number of number one singles Madonna has between the UK and USA? I think it's it's 12 in the UK. And I have a feeling it's 15 in the US. So I'm going to go with 27. According to my research, it's 25. Oh, but, okay. listen, good on you. Didn't didn't even touch the easy category. Every other person has done that. So an extra five points for that. <laughs> no, sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> but, but you have my uh, enduring respect. Okay, let's go for some recommendations. The show is coming to an end, but it's what we would recommend, my friend. So, Ben, what can you recommend from anything in the world for our listeners? Okay, well, I kind of want to recommend two things. The first First one is obviously, um, since we're talking about pop music and great female pop artists, I wanted to introduce a brand new person I've learned about this year. Um, she is a Japanese pop star. She's based in New York. She's called, I think she's called Miri. It's M-I-R-E-I. Okay. 
and I don't know how to pronounce it because I've never actually heard it said out loud. Yeah. And she's got an album called Take Me Away, which I've listened to so much in the past, like, six months. Right. She is an amazing oh. pop star. Two songs in particular. One is Not A Number, and the other one is Lonely in Tokyo. I think that fans of the podcast, if they like pop music and they like female pop stars, they are not going to be disappointed. It's just really accessible pop. It's really good. I'd love to hear what you think about it. Excellent. She hasn't come across my path at all, so I'm excited to listen to that thank you the other thing i was going to recommend is books since i mm-hmm. uh, i'm a reader um this winter i've been getting into the crime novels of the icelandic writer ragnar jonasson okay and he's written these books called the island the mist and what's the third one called oh i forget now the darkness it's a trilogy yeah very very good oh. they're very short but full of exciting uh, dramatic stuff. The sort of lead detective is a sort of middle-aged woman, which is a bit different to what we're used to. And yeah, he, he just writes an awful lot of stuff. He's clearly very talented. And it's such a small small country and a small world yeah. that, that that comes from, that it's great to see it being celebrated. And I just thought, yeah. quite cool. Excellent. My recommendation is, well, Apple TV, but two things on it. The first being Mariah's Magical Christmas Special. I uh, need to mention it just because it just came out this week. It is ridiculous in the best possible way. It is absolutely preposterous, but really funny, really knowing she um it's only short as well it's like 43 minutes but she gets a good few of the christmas classics in there and the of course the ariana and jennifer hudson trio of oh santa and it's just a good it's just a really nice way to top off a great year for mariah so i would definitely recommend people using their free trial of apple tv to check that out but while they're there to see the documentary series visible out on television have you heard of that no, no. So it's on Apple TV Plus as well, I should say. It's Apple TV Plus, this is. Um, and it is a five-part documentary series on representation of LGBTQ people on television. So I've only seen the first episode, but it's it's called The Dark Ages, I think. And it's just about how archaic representation was in the 60s and 70s, but how a, a couple of shows kind of started to push the envelope a little bit. And it just, the contributors that it has, like Armistead Mop, and you like him, don't you? I do, yeah. yeah so he's, yeah. he's one of the talking heads. Um, anyway, it was very moving. I would really recommend people get Apple TV+. Plus. You can probably get it for free and watch those two things. Now, have you got any additions for the playlist, Songs Gay People Like? I do have additions for the playlist, Songs Gay People Like. Let's go. Well, we have to have Madonna song, obviously. Yes. and there's give me all your loving featuring Nicki Minaj and MIA it's going on <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry go on yeah I know all the words for that rap oh, but really? that's for another day um, it's going to have to be Vogue for me okay. because we need to have we need to have that level of, of camp on it my second song Kevin in honour of yourself and I both being Irish men oh yeah and both loving female pop stars oh my god my yeah. second song is Samantha Mumba <laughs> gotta tell you okay yeah i'm happy with that because it still slaps (laughs) it does it does absolutely it's a fantastic pop song Uh, yeah great and what's your final choice my final choice um like a lot of people you've probably been getting your spotify rap in the past yeah and one of my most played songs of the year that wasn't new Mm -hmm. um was life is a flyer by ace of bass oh yeah because i made a a playlist of happy songs to stop me from going mad during um, lockdown yeah and that was the first song on the playlist because i used to love it when i was younger i had the tape it's just so bright Mm. and refreshing and i loved swedish pop and all that sort of stuff and it's a beautiful song it's great pop and i thought yeah I love that. Brilliant. And my choice is somebody who I kind of feel like it's not Madonna, but it's somebody who has things in common with Madonna, I think. So this time last year, I went to Vancouver for a few months and met some great people there. And um, one particular evening, I went to this drag show in a burger place. And these two drag performers who are called Continental Breakfast and PM. They came out and performed to the song that I'd never heard before and I was like, what is this song? I love it. Who is this singing it? And then I figured out afterwards it was a song called Hit the Back by King Princess. Do you know King Princess? Much of her stuff. No. Well, she is a gay pop star from uh, Brooklyn, I guess. Very unapologetic about her sexuality. Um, a songwriter. Um, I think you could really like some of her stuff actually. She has a song that you might know called 1950. Did you ever hear that song? It's like, uh, I'd sing it, but no. The album is Cheap Queen. But anyway, this song is called Hit the it's the biggest bop on the album it's actually about um 
well it's i let you hit the back she says it's about um <laughs> well i can imagine it's human nature it's, it's human actually, nature it's, it's, about, it's about scoring a goal in football clearly yeah 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 exactly so i'm gonna put that on i love that song so there we go ben what poll will i put on twitter for this episode we could say which one of our number one songs is better between like a prayer and hung up the battle of yeah. the number ones yeah i like that yeah, yeah okay yeah. cool we'll do that right ben listen this has been a fabulous chat i really enjoyed it and thank you so much for guiding us through the career of your number one fave no problem whatsoever i could talk about madonna all night as you can probably tell i would happily chat to you about her and about all sorts of things where can people uh find you on social media oh yeah so follow me on twitter at ben kelly tweets Mm -hmm. um and follow me on instagram at ben kelly irl which means in real life but also means ireland oh i assumed it was ireland yeah great and i couldn't help but notice a little blue tick at the end of that username well what can i say (laughs) so i'll tell you you what kevin it wasn't for the popularity i gained on the voice (laughs) (laughs) it must have it must have contributed to it come on that's what's led you it's part of your journey ben well we've come full circle in the chat here thank you again and uh talk to you soon bye-bye thanks ben bye so thanks to ben uh, for chatting to me i hope you enjoyed that episode let me know you can find us at gay people pod on twitter and instagram also you could leave a review if you listen on apple podcasts so it's not a plea but you know it's an encouragement if you feel so inclined uh, the next episode actually comes out on christmas day just the way the weeks fall so it's not a Christmas episode, but it's not not a Christmas episode. It'll it'll make sense. Um, it's a back to TV world, but also a bit of music. Keep an eye out for that. Um, if you want to talk about Madonna or any other pop-related stuff, check out the Moopy forums. There's always good chat happening there. Thank you to Rob for the theme tune. Thank you to everybody who shared their thoughts on Madonna. So I'll sign off now. And as always, I'll leave you with my mom for her final word on this week's topic. And I will talk to you next time. Well, my thoughts about Madonna don't know a whole pile about her music unless I look it up. I remember Like a Virgin and I remember her pointy bra. Yeah, not not much else really. She doesn't float my boat in any way. I just remember she was married to that guy, Richie. And then she has had a string of very, very younger men, which is okay. Sure, look at all the old fellas have all the young girls as well. But nah, she doesn't do anything for me really. Talk to you. Bye. Love ya. Escape people like